On today's episode of the podcast, I share what has essentially been a deep, long, dark night of the soul. Over the past few weeks, I have gone deeper into sleep deprivation than I have ever been before and encountered some new and some scary places inside of myself. I share the things that have helped get me through and talk a little bit about giving ourselves a grace period when we go through difficult things and what that means exactly. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with their signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Let's jump in. And just like that, we are I know it probably doesn't feel like I went anywhere. If you listen to this podcast every week, you've still had my voice in your ear as you moved through our end of year rituals, the Processing 2023 podcast ritual and the New Year's intention setting ritual. But it always feels to me a little bit like I have had a hiatus from the podcast because I haven't been here just speaking from the heart the way I normally do in uh, three weeks now so it's been it's been a while feels like feels like I've been away also (laughs) feels like I have I have journeyed through some sort of dark night of the soul anyway we'll 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 get to that (laughs) it's been a it's been a very interesting and highly challenging couple of weeks over here on my end But I want to first just start off by saying Happy New Year, Happy 2024. I hope you had a really beautiful Christmas and New Year celebration with people you love and people who love you back. I hope you felt a bit of that Christmas and holiday magic. And I really hope that you feel nourished and held that this holiday didn't leave you depleted or feeling stressed or feeling like you've been spread really thin, but that you actually got to just feel your feet grounding on the earth, that you got to drink a really delicious cup of hot chocolate, watching your loved ones across a beautiful table, you know, that you got to really have those moments outside in nature that are so magical this time of year, and that this was an overall just beautiful, beautiful closing of 2023 for you. I have heard from so many of you about the rituals that we did for our intention setting. If you haven't done them yet, don't worry. And I always, I get this question a lot. I know it's busy, you know, especially end of the year, especially when we are off and holiday times and everything. It is hard to find that dedicated amount of time to carve out for not just one big ritual, but two so if you haven't gotten to them to them yet, but you really want to do them, you can start anytime. Honestly, that feeling of stepping into something new or that feeling of wanting to set new intentions and get a little bit of clarity around what we want to manifest as we move forward, you can start any day. So sit down and anchor into that ritual this week, next week, whenever it suits you. 
I had uh, just a lot of clarity from doing these rituals myself this year. I always feel a lot of clarity, but this year more than other years, I think, because it took me so long to complete them. It's been so long since I had a baby. <laughs> I think I think when, Ye- when Leia was this age, I mean, her first Christmas, she was, what, eight or nine months. We didn't do these rituals on the podcast yet. I think we started year two with them. So I'm just, it's been a while since I, since I, yeah, had a little one and had something I really wanted to complete and put my time toward. So it took me probably about a week each for each of the ritual, just to process 2023. I think I sat down two or three times. And then for the intention setting ritual, I just, I returned every day for at least a week um, and just got a little more clarity. And I was, you know, sometimes just grabbing my journal and picking up right where I had left off to answer the questions from the pod or the prompts that we do. And some days I got to sit down and drink tea and do my yoga practice and anchor into it in a more, um, in a fuller way. But I didn't get that dedicated time to sit for two hours and just do the whole thing. So I actually feel like because I was present with it for so long, I I went deeper. Yeah, I thought it would feel like I it was more somehow surface, but it wasn't. It was definitely a deepening. And um, and uh, yeah, I have some clarity. I have my word of the year, all the things, but it's been, it's been very bad. <laughs> and you know, if I laugh as I say that, I am somehow kind of a little bit through the other side, but I, I don't know if I am. But yeah, it has been, it has been a very hard few weeks over here. Maybe the lowest time ever. (laughs) The lowest time in the past year, anyway, for sure. Especially, yeah, right before New Year's, just just the week leading up to Christmas and the week leading up to New Year's. I, I guess the whole holiday has just, it's been both magical and beautiful. We've had so many really special moments where I felt like we had so much less pressure this year than normal years. And I actually enjoyed the holidays more than normal, which is so bizarre, because at the same time, I'm going through the worst sleep deprivation. I mean, oh, yeah, that I could have possibly ever imagined it has it's it's worse than it was when Leah was little. And when Leah was little, she went through that sleep regression at four months, we had a really horrible month, like we had Dennis and I, we joke about this all the time, but there was a day or an evening where I sat down in the bathtub with my clothes on in the shower and just cried. (laughs) Like it's been that bad. And I know I can journey back to podcast episodes from that month or those months and just, oh, you know, I'm basically just sitting here crying on the podcast because I couldn't, there was no sleep. And then we did this gentle sleep coaching with Leia that worked really beautiful. And we, I think we dedicated like six weeks and we were all in and we were working together with this woman named Kim. She's the sleep lady on Instagram. She's the sweetest. And she really like saved us then. It was so amazing. And from then, you know, we didn't have to do any of the crying it out things. It was just kind of implementing better routines and then very gently teaching her how to sleep in her own crib. And the thing about Leia is she was, she's so independent as a person. Like I really feel like she's been that way since, a, since she was a baby. She's had this personality trait where she's just so steady in her own skin and in her own self. And any place we go, she doesn't turn around to check that we're there. She just runs, you know, she'll just run into a crowd, run into a group of kids, run to the playground, like whatever's going on. She just throws herself into every new situation without holding back. And she's just so trusting. She knows like we're there, we got her. And when we introduced her to the crib, she was exactly the same. She kind of just threw herself in the crib and she was like, okay, I guess I sleep here now. Cool. And she really liked it. I mean, really, we didn't have, it wasn't, it wasn't a struggle to get her to, to transition from co-sleeping to sleeping in the crib. I actually started feeling like she slept better when she got the space. And I was the one who really wanted to co-sleep and keep her really close. And the moment she got a little bit more space, she just slept better. She started sleeping through the night. And then since then, so since about six months, she has slept a 12-hour night. And to this day, it's just an amazing sleeper. 
So we never did the bedtime struggle with her. We had those like that sleep regression time. But since she was six months, and I think about this now, and I'm so jealous of my past self, I feel, I feel, I feel like I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm so, I'm, I'm le legitimately jealous of myself, like 2017 version of me and all throughout, because we would from six months, eight months, 10 months, a year, all the way through, we would do her little bedtime routine where we like take a bath or, you know, put on her pajamas and sing a little song, feed her, and then put her in the crib with her pacifier and her little lovey wide awake. She's just standing in the crib, like waving at us. It's like, good, good, good night, honey. And then we would walk away. <laughs> and she would just so happily chill in her crib, sometimes just lay down and fall asleep, like right away. And sometimes she would just chill in there and talk and sing and then slowly just fall asleep. No crying, no craziness. Like we could literally be hosting like a dinner party. And then, oh, seven o'clock. Okay, everybody say goodnight to Leia. And then we would just walk into her bedroom. Five minutes later, we come back out and we just resume the night. And we knew she's just going to fall asleep and sleep through the whole night. Like how cr crazy is that? <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> I am so upset. I mean, I'm so grateful that we had that. And I kind of thought that like, oh, we had this like secret sauce, you know, we, it was like, probably everybody could just do exactly what we did and that would work. And I'm just fully faced now with this very harsh reality of no, that does not work. That is definitely a personality trait, a hundred percent about like who the baby is and how the baby is and also how the parents are and you know it's like it's circumstance and personality and everything at the same time and yes for sure I think every child can benefit from having really good routines and rituals and scheduling and making sure that you have that like early wake up and getting lots of daytime like all the good things can definitely make a change but I am here now <laughs> with Bear six months old we have done everything like we have literally done everything. We have tried to do what we did with Leia meticulously. It is not working. Like it is not working. He's not the same kid. Like he's a, he's not a moon. He's a bear. And bear just does not want to be left alone at all. Even the idea of being left alone, like even just putting him in the crib and I'm basically lying in the crib with him. He, he knows like he knows that, okay, we're doing this now because she's going to want to walk away and go hang out in the living room with dad. And that is not cool with me. Like he wants to either be where we are and do what we do, does not want to miss out on anything. And if we're going to bed, like he wants me to go to bed with him and basically, yeah, stay, stay the night, you know. So he will kind of like wrap his hand around my hair or he will grab onto my shirt really tightly and he won't let go even in deep sleep. Like that's, that's this feeling that he, yeah, that he has, like he knows I'm going to want to leave and then he doesn't want that. So what this means is I can either go to bed at 6 or 7 p.m. and that is the end of my day, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is what I've been doing for weeks. I just... Like my day ends at seven, you know, like Dennis comes home from work at four. Leia comes home from school now at like 3.30. I have two hours with them. And also I want to like take a bath. So like at five, I take my bedtime bath, <laughs> my bedtime bath, just so I can have a moment to ground and feel sane. And like just one 40 minute, 30 minutes in the bath alone for me with like a candle lit where I'm just like, yeah, mostly I'm crying in the bath, but also just, yeah, <laughs> enjoying silence. And then, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock rolls around, we have dinner, and then that's it for my day. <laughs> I go to bed <laughs> and I stay in the bedroom until the next day, which doesn't mean that I'm going to bed and I'm sleeping. Oh, no, 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 no. We go to bed, but we are not asleep. We are just in absolute agony and I'm just laughing as I'm sharing this now because it's so ridiculous and stupid but yeah it is and we have gone from like nights where okay we're up three times a night I used to feel like oh, that's a little much but that's okay it's fine like it's fine he feeds three times a night he's hungry at night it's okay 
I just feed him lying down and I go back to sleep. It's fine. To, okay, he's waking up like four or five times a night. Like, that's a lot. That's not not a great night. To, oh, he's up every hour now. To, yeah, like last the day before last night, like he's up every 20 minutes. It's kind of like he he falls asleep barely and then he's up again. And crying and in despair and wanting to sleep and overtired. And it's just not, yeah, sleep is not happening. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I'm faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. I just, I realized I I had been kind of when Christmas, like middle of December, I started realizing, okay, it's been like a month now of just very bad sleep. And it's been, of course, not great since I had the baby and also in pregnancy, like, you know, you don't sleep super well. I, at least I don't, didn't sleep really well pregnant. It's like, it's been a long time since good sleep, but you know, that newborn stage and all that stuff, at least we got, you know, they sleep more when they're little, but then December-ish, I started telling Dennis, hey, I'm starting to not feel good. I I hadn't really talked about it that much because I didn't want to make it a thing. Every morning was just, no, sleep, sleep not. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But it wasn't fine. And then I said, I'm starting to just, it's not okay anymore. We need to do something. Like, we need to change this up. I need more of your help. And he was like, okay, let's go. And kind of the setup that we have, because a lot of people ask, like, why don't you just, why don't you just give the baby to Dennis and take a night, you know, which I wish it was so simple. But our setup has been that I sleep with Bear and Dennis sleep with Leia. So they co-sleep and we co-sleep, not all four of us together, because Bear is the lightest sleeper. And once he's asleep, literally, sometimes I just accidentally yawn and that wakes him up again. (laughs) Like whatever position we have fallen asleep in, I must remain in that exact position. I cannot turn my head even the slightest. Like I'm just, I freeze in stone and I've kind of developed this ability to fall asleep in any shape, no matter how uncomfortable I am. <laughs> because if I move, he wakes up. He's still, he, I mean, sleep is just shit, right? So already pretty early on, we decided, okay, I'm just going to take Bear and just for our peace of mind. And then Dennis sleeps with Leia, which meant Leia's so happy. She's always slept, I mean, in her own bed, in her own room. And now they share a bed and she gets to feel a little more closeness as I am kind of separating a little bit from her to be more with Bear, right? So it's it's been, it's been good. And it was fine. I didn't need Dennis to take the nights because, well, he's kind of, he has been, at least in the early newborn stage, like kind of useless at night. I don't know, for any breastfeeding mother out there, I don't know if anyone, I at least don't know anyone who feels like um, it's really worthwhile to have your husband or partner wake up every time your baby wakes up. All that happens really for him is that he gets really tired waking up all the time. He can't help. He can't, you know, what he's going to do, take take the boob out of my bra and put it in the baby's mouth? Like, no. <laughs> we never really have a lot of diaper changes, even in the early days, very rare Um, Just like the first weeks, but he's never been like a night pooper, (laughs) which has been really good. So I don't need him for that really either. 
And yeah, we just decided like it's better if he gets a full night's sleep, he can be more on, he can be more helpful and supportive and awake and energized in the day. And uh, yeah, no need for both of us to like miss out on sleep since we're breastfeeding and doing that exclusively. But then now in December, I was like, we need to change something. We need to just start getting him used to being more with you in the night. Like I need to try to find, yeah, we need, we need to start maybe that gentle sleep coaching thing. We need to do something. So we started doing that the moment we came back from the Maldives. Uh, we came back from the Maldives. When was that? That was end of November, right? Maybe 1st of December, something like that. And it's basically been mayhem ever since. It really has. Where no matter what we try, he won't sleep. He won't stay asleep. And just every night, it's just getting kind of worse and worse where he sleeps less and less. And when Dennis tries to take a couple of hours, he loses his whole mind. <laughs> and so many of you have said just like, just it's okay that he cries. Like he's safe with Dennis. Dennis loves him. And of course, I know that's true. Like he's his dad. It's not going to harm him if he has a couple of hours where he's not so happy, you know, but you guys, you don't understand. Like he, he goes into this absolute terror kind of cry. Like it's, it's not an okay cry. It's, it's, it's like a nervous system completely dysregulated. Like he couldn't be in more despair. And normally he's the happiest, he's the happiest kid. Like he's so happy all day. He doesn't cry for anything. He doesn't cry in the day. Like he has no problems. He's so happy. Whatever we're doing, stoked, great naps, eat, eats great, poops great. You know, he's already walking basically. Like I feel like at seven months, he's going to start walking. Like he's already walking up and down the couch. Like he's just very advanced in his motor skills and just stoked. Like there's, he has no problems. But in the day, if I leave, in the night, if I leave, he turns into like the saddest baby you have ever met. And for me, the idea of even if I go to another room and I know he's just up there for every minute I'm away, he is screaming his ears off to the point where he loses his voice and doesn't stop. And then when we try that and then I come back, okay, I try an hour away, I come back and he's just like he can barely breathe anymore. And then, you know, and then I'm like in despair too. And I feel horrible that I left him and I feel horrible that it's this bad. And Dennis feels horrible that he can't console him and everybody just feels horrible. And then I come back again and I take over again. For the rest of the night, he will make this horribly sad, heartbreaking sound where he's like, <laughs> but he does that like for 10 hours, like he doesn't stop being sad. It's like he gets to a level of sadness that is just not manageable. And so far, I've just not, it hasn't been worth it. It hasn't been doable. So I just kind of decided like, okay, we're just going to soldier through. It's going to get better. We keep working on our routine. We keep waking him up earlier. We keep capping his naps. We keep getting him outside in the daylight. We tried getting him like a weighted sleep sack. We've tried like lavender oil massages and special baths and special like pressure point techniques for sleep. And I've tried changing my diet, cutting out caffeine. Like I, I have tried fucking everything. I mean, literally everything. I even got, <laughs> I even got like a, like an electromagnetic field frequency mat. <laughs> That's supposed to help with sleep, which is actually really helpful. It's helping me relax, but it's not making bear sleep. I mean, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's hung out, hung out enough on that mat. But anyway, I've, I've arrived at that place of like desperation. So this is like the backstory of where we are in case anyone is sitting there like, just try this one thing because trust me, we have. And the only thing we haven't done is letting him cry, like cry it out. And I'm just never going to do that. It's just not for us. It's not, I don't think that's a good thing. Um, every just fiber of my being tells me no. So no, we're not doing that. But everything else, like we really have tried. So anyway, this is kind of taking us up to the past two weeks, I guess. And for every day that goes on, I have just become more and more like a ghost I, I can't sleep in the day. I never have been able to do that. Only when I'm pregnant can I ever nap. Um, so even in the day when he's sleeping, I lie down, I try to nap. I can't. 
I lie down, I try to meditate, I can't, I lay down, I do a yoga nidra, I can't stay focused. I just, for every day that passed without me getting any any sleep, and we're talking like accumulatively, maybe I was getting one or two hours a night for, for many, many days. And then a better night, I would get like three or four. And I was like, yes, great night. Last night, I got three and a half hours. Awesome. You know, with, with some nights just feeling like there's no sleep at all. And what started happening was I, I was functioning in my day today sort of like I was kind of moving through my day in a fog like I was a little bit like I was just like a ghost of myself and and I'm very I'm, I'm a capable person so I know how to keep my shit together when things are bad like I know how to suck it up and do what needs to get stuck to need what needs to get done but then all of a sudden I lost the ability to sleep at night and I could cry sharing this because that is how horrible and scary this was. And it's it's been three nights of that, not consecutively. It's just happened three times over the past two weeks where I lie down, finally bear falls asleep. And then it's like, okay. And then I close my eyes and nothing happens. And then time starts to pass. And I'm so tired. Like my, my whole body feels like it's just weighted down. Like I'm going to melt into the bed. I can't stop yawning. Like I'm exhausted. I'm like, you know, when tears kind of just pour out of your eyes from tiredness. Have you ever had that happening? Just every everything in my body is telling me I am beyond exhausted. I just, all I need is sleep. But I have now arrived at this wired, overtired state where I have slept so little for so long that I can't power down anymore. And the first night that this happened, the amount of just anxiety, the amount of absolute like deathly terror that I felt, I, I can't explain it. I have never had an experience like this ever before where I, I, I just, I went into like a very dark hole of deep despair and it started off with like this feeling of pressure, like, okay, bear finally sleeping now. I need sleep. I need, this is my window. I need to sleep. Like he could wake up any moment. He could wake up any moment, like go to sleep, go to sleep. And the more I was telling myself, go to sleep, the less I could go to sleep, the more pressure I felt to sleep, the less I was able to fall asleep. And then the worst part was the more time passed, the more I knew it's like, I'm missing my window. He's going to wake up soon. And it's not his fault anymore that I'm not sleeping. It's not like, you know, circumstances beyond my control kind of, which is what it feels like it's me. Like I, it's my fault. It's my doing. Like somehow if I could just make myself fall asleep, everything would be better and okay, but I can't. So it's on me and I'm failing. And somehow, I don't know, it became this kind of mixture of just like overtiredness, hyper vigilance around everything happening with Bear and, and my body. And this feeling of like, how am I going to manage? I'm not going to manage. I'm not going to manage. I need these 20 minutes of sleep, these 45 minutes of sleep. And then, you know, it, it was like 1, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I go inside, I, I wake Dennis. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> I li that Literally, that's how I woke him up. Hey, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> I think I'm dying. <laughs> I can't believe I'm laughing. There's nothing funny about this. But that is, he's like, what? What's going on? Like, are you okay? Why aren't you sleeping? Like, that was his first thing. Like, you should be asleep. Like, bear sleeping. Why aren't you sleeping? And I'm like, I, my, my brain is broken. My body has broken. I have lost the ability to fall asleep. I don't think I'm ever going to sleep again. I think I'm going to die. And he like sat up, <laughs> like hugged me. He's like, no, honey, you will sleep again. Like you sleep, you will sleep again. Just I, for sure you will sleep again. But then he, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't really, there's nothing he could do for me. You know, he couldn't make me sleep either. Like how? So when like 5.30, 6 a.m. rolled around and basically the day is, the night is over, the day has started. I fully contemplated driving myself, or not driving myself, asking Dennis to drive me to the psych, like emergency room. There is like a psych acute and it's called here. It's like a, yeah, like, like a, where people with like severe mental health issues, or if you're suicidal or you're just like losing it, basically. I fully, very seriously contemplated asking him to bring me there because I didn't know what to do. And I, and I, and I ended up in this 
hole that felt so deep that I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't see somehow how things would get better. I, I just, I lost for a little while. I lost like all faith in life. <laughs> it was really dark. And I am not the kind of person, I don't have depressive tendencies. I have many family members who do and friends who do. And I know, you know, I, I've talked to enough people of knowing that, okay, like when I get really sad, I get sad. When something bad happens, I get low, but I don't get to that low place where I feel like I can't pull myself back up anymore. My bottom has a bottom. Um, but then I have family members who get to a bad place and it feels like that bottom is bottomless and they really need a lot of support and a lot of help to get back up. I have never had that. I can't resonate with that feeling until that night or that morning. I really felt like this is a bottomless pit and it's just, I'm going to die here. Like it was just oh, truly, truly the worst. Yeah, the worst ever. And then I researched it and there's something called momsomnia. It's actually not that uncommon. I shared a little bit about it on Instagram. Many of you wrote back that you had had the same experience. It It is literally when you are so sleep deprived for so long, you start to lose the ability to just like you're you, you you become kind of stuck in like a fight or flight your body decides it's now fighting for its life like you are under threat somehow because you're not getting the restorative rest that you need you're not getting any restful calm time and with, with time it becomes really hard to get down from that really wired place where you're just ready to you know you're in a survival mode like ready to put out a fire at any moment and and yeah, momsomnia is a thing. Some of you even wrote me online saying that you had such bad momsomnia for so long that it took you years to heal and repair your sleep. And I believe it. Like I fully, 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 fully believe it. And the day following that horrible night, I couldn't sleep either. So, and that was also like, okay, I had a whole night without being able to put myself to sleep a really dark, long day where I was just, I've never felt more alone. And then not knowing, like, will I sleep again? Which <laughs> is the craziest, most bizarre experience ever. And then I did fall asleep, I think 7 p.m. or something. I did fall asleep and I slept four hours, I think. I slept my longest consecutive like space. And Bear cried almost the whole time. <laughs> And then I realized, like that was kind of the day where I realized, okay, the only thing or one few things that are like the only thing worse than him just crying uncontrollably for long extended periods of time, well, it's obviously me losing my mind, literally me not being okay, me, me being so dysregulated myself that I can no longer function. And it's kind of crazy that it had to go that far for me to actually get to that realization where I suddenly now, like I've arrived at a place where like, if he, if he's going to cry, he's going to cry. If it's, he's going to cry in the worst way, he's going to cry in the worst way, but I need sleep and we need to get more creative and use more resources and ask for more help because this is not, this is not going to, this is not going to work. Like we're going to, me, I'm going to end up somewhere really bad and really fast and, you know, you read about those stories, like moms who just lose it from sleep deprivation, like who go outside and like leave their babies in the snow or, you know, get in the car with their babies still at home. And you just like, I, I, I can resonate with just completely losing it where to the point of where you're just, your mind doesn't function anymore. Like I, I can see that. And I've had some weird, you know, weird, just weird experiences in this sleep deprivation where I think I see things, where I see shapes and I think a person is in the room and then I look and no one's there. <laughs> yeah, just really, I, I started telling Dennis, like I'm when, because he has to go to work and if I've had a really bad night and I'm alone with Bear, I am scared to go upstairs. I don't want to be in the upstairs at all because I'm really scared that I'm going to pass out or fall asleep which I don't, but I'm just, it's a, it's a fear and that he's going to fall down the stairs. Like I'm, that's a legitimate fear that I have. I even got him, um, 
one of those things, what do you call them? It's like a walker, like a, you know, it has wheels and then they can put their feet on the ground. So when they're just starting to walk, they can kind of move, move around and they're, they're not good for their spine. Like I know they're really bad for their motor development. So I wouldn't get him one normally. Like he doesn't need one. Like he's going to walk really soon. But I bought one of those because it's a really safe place for him to be. As long as we're downstairs. Obviously upstairs, no. And yeah, we got a gate, by the way. We didn't have a gate. It just arrived today. Um, but yeah, because it's like he can run around in that and bounce from wall to wall. He can't fall over. He can't stick his fingers into an electrical socket. He can't like fall down and hurt himself. Because I really felt like I need some sort of tool to like an extra level of support because I don't trust myself anymore. And it's really crazy how it got this bad. And it really escalated very quickly. And of course, in all of this, it's not just that sleep is bad, but like it affects every area of your life if you're not sleeping. You know, the rest of your health, your physical health, your relationships. Me and Dennis have never fought more. Literally, I mean, since the mold, mold, the mold's time for us was really, truly horrible. But we have had so many fights over the past couple of weeks where, yeah, instead of it being me and him, like as a team against the sleep issue, it's me against him where, um, yeah, where we're just not seeing eye to eye on anything. And it's just, you guys, it's been so bad, like so, so bad. And then, and I'm sitting here now sharing this from like a, from a different place because last night was less bad. (laughs) Last night was, last night was a a good night if you, if I compare it to what's been, uh, where he was awake four or five times, but I was able to fall asleep every time and he slept at least like two, two hour stretches. I probably got five or six hours accumulatively last night. Which isn't, you know, two months ago, ask me and I would tell you that that's a bad night. Now I'm like, that's a great night. I'm so happy about it. But I woke up this morning just feeling, yeah, feeling different. Um, We decided over New Year's to make some changes and it's better. Yeah, we are on, we are on the same team now. Like we've stopped, we've stopped fighting. We're on the same team now. Now it, now it feels like it's me and Dennis against the sleep struggle kind of together. I feel less alone. I asked for help in different ways. Um, I started asking my siblings for help and my friends for help. And I was even making like a little <laughs> rotating schedule where I would ask people to come here so that I wouldn't have to have days alone. And we live far away. It's not as easy as if we lived in the city and someone could just come by anytime. Like it's a trek to get out to where we are. And even these past few weeks, I was like, maybe we should just move to the city. <laughs> That's how, that's how lost I've been. Like, that's how bad it's been. I definitely don't want to live in the city. The city sounds awful. (laughs) I don't want to live there at all. But that's just been my level of desperation. It's like, no, we can't live out here. Like, it doesn't work. Like, we're, I need my village. There's no village here for me. (laughs) I need to go to the city so I can have people around me because this is too lonely. (laughs) That's really been, been it. But so in the depths of this, now that I'm kind of coming out of it, um, we had two nights in a row where he has fallen asleep in his crib. He's only slept there for 30 minutes, but it feels like we're making little positive, like we're moving in a better direction now. So that's why I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot better today. I thought I would sit here recording this week's podcast, just crying because that's mostly what I do most days. But I feel strangely positive and optimistic and strong today. So yeah, different vibe. But yeah, so he had that like falling asleep in the crib, which feels really good. 30 minutes only. And after that, he won't go back. Like I can't. It's just, it's mayhem. So then he comes to bed with me. But I decided to start moving my body, even though sleep is this bad. And I had my first little workout of 2024 today. Uh, which felt really good, really, really, really good. And it's just very gentle, very grounding, lots of stretching. Just, just I need to just remember what it feels like to be in my own body, to really embody this, this meat suit of mine, because I really have felt like I've been very checked out. But there are a couple of things that I have done <laughs> over the past few weeks that I feel have been my saving grace. And 
I wanted to share them, not sharing them as like, oh, I'm we're out of it now and everything is perfect and great. Like, no, we're very much still in sleep deprivation zone. But the things that I have been implementing for myself and the things that I've asked for help around in the last month, I really feel has been kind of the, I don't want to say it's been like a life or death, <laughs> the, the difference between life and death, but it's felt that way at times. Not sleeping, you know, it is a form of torture. It really is. It really is. It is. Truly, it truly, it, it truly is. So I wanted to share just a couple of the things that I or that we together implemented as a family that we really did to kind of help move us through and that I will continue to do for as long as this lasts. Um, and I don't know, like, is this is this going to be over by next week and suddenly we sleep better again? Or is this like a several month kind of thing? Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. So I have to really hold myself to the things that actually are resourceful and supportive and helpful. So the, the most important thing that has allowed me to move through this and sit here today and kind of laugh and smile and feel okay is I gave myself a grace period. I gave the family a grace period. Like we have really given us ourselves a grace period. And when I say grace period, I mean whenever you are going through something that taps you into a place of survival. And it doesn't have to be sleep deprivation, but that's a great example. But say you are in the midst of depression. Say you are going through loss, like you're grieving someone or you're grieving something. You've had a huge life change, something really traumatic happened, and you're just in the midst of that. Like I'm talking when you are moving through that dark night of the soul time, to give yourself a grace period is the kindest, softest, gentlest thing to do. And with a grace period, I mean that you drop every single expectation that you could possibly drop around how life is supposed to be and how you are supposed to act, how you're supposed to look, who you are supposed to be. So for the past month, I have not left my sweatpants. I really, truly have not. I have told myself it, it's okay. I don't, if, I don't, if I don't wash my hair for 10 days, like that's, that's okay. There's no expectation for me to look a certain way in any way at all. Even for the holidays, I, I kept this like very, very just, it, it's, it's not even, it's not just fine for me to be in my PJs all day. It's, it's crucial that I don't feel this pressure to, yeah, to get ready or to put clothes on that aren't comfortable. Just PJ all day is what I expect of myself at this time. And then this idea of, of having to, yeah, having to put on a brave face, having to be fine when you're not fine, you know, that the facade of, no, we're getting there, we're getting through. No, like I dropped that. In, in a grace period, you get to be who you are. And when someone asks you, how are you doing? And it's shit, you get to say, it's shit. It's horrible and I need help. Not having to put on any kind of face has been just really important for me to be able to relax as much as possible. We canceled every single commitment that we've had, and it, there hasn't been that many, but everything that I had to do, anything Dennis had to do, anything, even like outings or um, like little parties, like th things that we thought that we were going to do, um, going to the city for stuff. Like, no, we canceled every single thing because we're in survival mode. We're not in like put on makeup and get in the car and go out and have lunch mode. No, like we are in survival mode where we are like reheating leftovers for four days in a row <laughs> sitting on the couch ordering pizza from the takeout place like kind of place and in a grace period you get to do absolutely every single thing that you need to do to get by meaning any idea you have of what you should or should not eat is out the window. Any idea you have of what you should or should not do is out the window. So if you wake up in the morning and you want to have chocolate for breakfast, you have chocolate for breakfast. If you want to watch 16 episodes of The Crown in a row, <laughs> if you're able, you will watch 16 episodes of The Crown in a row. If you want to lie in the bath and cry, you lie in the bath and cry. Like whatever comes your way, this is not a time of, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be doing this. In a grace period, you do whatever the hell works, right? That's literally what that means. 
So I have been literally, I, for the past month, I, I've had chocolate every day. I mean, the amount, we haven't been in an ice cream phase. If we were, I would, I would probably have been in that place where I'm like a pint of Ben and Jerry's a day. And that in an, in a grace period, that is not, not even, that not even like just allowed, it's encouraged. <laughs> okay. And when it comes to food in a survival place like this, my, like my little mantra or my, the, the rule I want to go by in terms of food is remove nothing, but add what you need. So instead of this idea of, oh, I shouldn't be eating sugar, um, sugar probably has been the thing that's taken me through. Honestly, we've had like bouts of crying where he's cried for a, so long at night where Dennis takes him and I go downstairs and I like grab a whole thing of chocolate <laughs> and just sit down and eat like, like we have this great chocolate in Sweden. I wish, I wish all of you could experience it, but you, you have to come here for it. It's called Marabu. It's not fancy chocolate. It's grocery store, regular chocolate. It is the best chocolate in the whole world especially the mint, like there's lots of, of flavors and, and stuff like the mint, the marabou mint is the best. I could just like take a whole like row, like they come in little pieces and just sit down, eat, <laughs> eat that, take a breath and then go back up with renewed sugared strength <laughs> and not have any weird feelings about that, of this idea of, oh, I'm being unhealthy, or I shouldn't be eating this, or I should be eating, you know, less of that. No. Instead of thinking, okay, you should remove this, I just think, okay, I need to add. I'm not in a great place in my eating right now. I'm not in my healthiest place in any way. Like, I'm probably in my most unhealthy, like, ever with sleep and with food and everything. I'm not moving my body at all. I'm, you know... All of that is okay because I'm doing what I need to do to survive. But what I need to make sure is that I get the nourishment that I need. So I add, okay, I'm eating chocolate for breakfast, but I'm also putting collagen in my coffee every day so that I get the collagen in that I need. I'm eating chips with dip like in the middle of the day for no reason other than like I feel like I need something salty and I'm like a little bit like stressed. <laughs> I'm just eating my emotions right now. That's fine. I'm going to also take all of my supplements while I do that. <laughs> like I've done so much of this. Like, oh, it's 5 p.m. and like I, I really want to have a glass of wine. I'm going to have that glass of wine and I'm also going to drink my Sheila Jeet at the same time. That has kind of been my thing. Like I'm doing the quote unquote unhealthy thing completely with abandon as much as I want. However, whenever, you know, go for it. But I'm making sure that I'm also adding in the things that I need to actually be nourished. And I think it's a really good way to go about a challenging period. You know, take nothing away, just add what you need. No pressure, no guilt. Figuring out like tweaking your diet or eating less sugar or whatever thing you feel like you want to do for yourself. That's that's great. And you know, but not in a time of survival. In a grace period, you eat as much ice cream as you want. <laughs> the other thing that has really helped me is I have had someone to talk to. And obviously, if you have a partner, a person, I mean, single parents out there, how oh, the idea that the thought of doing this solo, just like sense of vibration of, whew, yeah, through my body, I am continuously forever and always in awe of the single mothers of the world. And I know you're out there and I know many of you are listening and I'm just every hat off to you for the rest of my life. Whoa. So having someone to talk to, like now that Dennis and I finally are on the same team, waking up in the morning, feeling solidarity, you know, getting a hug, just having someone there like with his hand on my back, like we're doing this together. It's a like complete game changer in the cycles that we've had where we've been fighting and things have not been good. I've been speaking to my best friends and having that continuous just continuous open chat where sometimes we're just sending each other voice messages, talking on the phone a couple times a day, and sometimes just texting, but having that continuous channel open where whenever something bad <laughs> comes or a bad moment comes, or now I feel overwhelmed, or now it's not working again, or now the nap is broken, or now it's another horrible bedtime, or now it's 2 a.m. and we're awake again. 
and I need someone there. Just that feeling that there's someone here who listens. There's someone here who's hearing me and seeing me as I go through this really dark stuff has been really important. And it doesn't have to be, um, yeah, it's just a feeling of not being alone in whatever you're going through, I really think is the most important thing. And a couple of days ago, my sister checked in. She's like, how's everything? And I'm like, it's actually horrible. And I'm sitting here crying and I don't know how to manage. And she was like, okay, I'm coming over. And then she came over with food and <laughs> with a bunch of stuff and just like cleaned out the fridge and emptied the dishwasher <laughs> and cooked for us. And it was like so simple, but so like changed my whole, changed my whole day, changed, changed the, the whole weekend changed just because she was there and I automatically felt less alone and then it gave Dennis space to leave and do what he had to do and I was with someone and you know people like good people change everything the other thing well I've already shared this but the thing that I find really helpful as we're moving through a dark night of the soul is to cry and to feel the feelings that are actually there which I find you know having one of those like 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. horror shows and then it might be the next window of time I have when I'm alone it's not until then that I can actually feel everything that was so challenging and like all that that despair <laughs> that comes along with that that you give yourself the window and the space to actually feel that, whether that's in therapy or sitting in the bath, crying by yourself or moving your body somehow and letting that energy move that way. But we have to feel those feelings where they have no place to go. And I find that if I ever had a day where I didn't process, where I didn't have someone to talk to or where I was just kind of in it by myself, then the next night was much darker and I, I really think there is a correlation there between the nights where I wasn't able to sleep at all and the fact that I hadn't felt supported emotionally that day. So it's, I think, having that just emotional support of a human being or at least letting yourself move that stagnant, stuck energy that you've been feeling is so important because otherwise it just adds up and eventually it has nowhere to go and it starts to feel like this internal pressure and it becomes anxiety and then you know we we got to we got to cry i've been getting outside every day whenever possible however possible even if it's 15 minutes of like watching the snow walking down to the lake like the breaks that i can get when i when i'm able to just be outside not just for sleep obviously getting sunlight in your eyes is really important for your rhythm and everything but just finding that solace in nature and we've had the most beautiful winter days here it's like right now as I'm sitting here looking out the window it is like a scene from some Hallmark movie it's so gorgeous this beautiful rosy light and it's snowing and snow it's been snowing for four days straight it's so beautiful and nature really does heal and nature really does help and um the other thing, or I guess the last thing, I have been praying <laughs> a lot, but I don't think I pray the way like religious people pray or the way regular people pray. Prayer for me can sound like asking for help. And sometimes that I'm asking for help and it's not even directed at, it's not directly directed at, at God. It's also not directed to a person in my life. It's... <laughs> yeah maybe it is directed at God but it doesn't feel that way in the moment where I'm just asking for help like please asking for grace you know I can give myself grace but sometimes you also need nature to bring you grace there is something so wild about the feminine and about motherhood and about I I I really feel like in this dark night of the soul time and especially the long hours of being awake at night with a sad baby and deep moments of anxiety not being able to sleep like all of this really does relate to something that at the same time feels almost holy I don't know any other people who do what we do I don't know any other people on this earth who do what mothers do, who are capable and able to move through these highs and lows of absolute wild, like 
ecstasy and insanity at the same time and who are able to oscillate so effortlessly between that because at the same time like I'm sharing this very dark story of the past few weeks it has been really dark it has been really scary at times and then I move through my days and I have so many moments of absolute light and I feel constantly even in the pit of despair I feel this overwhelming love for my children where I would walk through fire for them you know there's nothing literally I would (laughs) stay awake until I lose my whole mind if it means that he he gets to be less sad like the amount of places that we're able to go as mothers I feel like there's something really holy about that and no I don't want to be this self-sacrificing mother who you know sacrifices her well-being for the sake of her children but we do it we do it there is a there is a part of us where that is just kind of automated and we do it and we need the village that's why we need our people we need that regular day-to-day support that I think is the more normal way of, of, of parenting and the normal way of moving through life is that you have the aunties and you have the sisters and you have the neighbors and you have the village there supporting you, helping you with the burden when it feels like a burden and holding your joy when it's all joy. And somehow it's that in isolation and in our own little bubbles and own little spaces, it becomes unmanageable. And motherhood should not be unmanageable. Even the sleepless nights that feel really unmanageable, they shouldn't be unmanageable. And as long as we feel held as we go through those dark nights, we're okay. We come out the other side with these beautiful, magical children who just make our lives and make our days. And mm, I don't know, there is something holy about the darkness I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I wanted to end this podcast by reading you a poem. So I found this poem on Instagram. Um, Instagram has been has been a village for me and continues to be a village for me. It's not the same because, you know, you're not here in the morning taking the baby so I can get another two hours of sleep like in the real village, right? Or bringing me a casserole or <laughs> cooking me soup. <laughs> But you're here and I feel less alone. And I hope that just by sharing this story, this podcast, that I make some of you feel less alone, whatever that dark place that you might be in. And maybe you're not, but you're remembering a dark place that you were in or you're getting to heal a little something from just being reminded that we all get to these places at times. And then we get through, right? And the way through is, is holding each other's hands and not, not wandering alone. But this poem I want to read, it's called The Grace of Mothers by Gillian McKenzie. I spent many years trying to perfect the art of calmness, trying to regulate and negotiate motherhood into terms of my liking, terms I could swallow, terms others could feel safe around. I slayed every ugly monster that rose from my lakes and cut down every wild vine that emerged from my forest and silenced every roar that ripped out of my throat. I caged the beast, or so I thought, only to realize that I had already exceeded the boundaries of this world. The moment I roared a human from the depths of my womb, walked through the fire to greet my new creation, was skinned of my flesh and left to rebuild my bones, I had undergone a shape-shifting, entered the place where regulated states go to die and chaos is the queen. Mothers are magic. Who else can sip her tea on the couch with a friend and hold an entire conversation while the room around her devolves into anarchy? And who, I ask, can cook a nourishing meal with screaming, bewildered little gremlins and hold her center, roots and all? I've always wondered why meditation never stuck and regulation seemed unachievable and grounding cords didn't do much and I felt so at home in the mess. It's because motherhood is insanity. It's pure, raw, wild and dysregulating. 
It's the swirling vortex that only the mental enter, honed to be an impenetrable steel, apprentice to chaos itself. It's because motherhood is the black diamond course, the pro levels, no rules, all bets are off. And your children will tear at your perfection, break down your boundary walls, climb over the gates of your ideological life, rip up your curated roses, break your favorite fine dishware, and pee on your bougie rug. You will stand at the center of the madness, watching it all like a supremely skilled crone who knows that this is the real trial. No amount of breathwork, meditation, or week-long devotionals at an ashram will prepare you for motherhood. Motherhood will cackle at your ideas, at your yoga practice, at your mindfulness, at your white couch, and say, we'll make a mess of you yet. No amount of perineum massage will prepare your pussy for the annihilation of your ego and the destruction of your former life. Nothing will open you, widen your hips, expand your breath like the head of a child. Chaos will ensue for your betterment. The wild feminine is born of chaos into chaos. Chaos is the unhindered life force, the wild mustang that you daren't tame. This takes a high level of skill only acquired by entering the void and dropping your bag at the door. There is a reason why mothers are so neglected and undervalued. It's because chaos is abhorred and she is the master of it. It's because she's the Shire and Mount Doom. She is the light and the darkness and she can stand in the middle of it all. It's because when you look a mother in the eyes, you can never look away without knowing the madness that lies within. That this woman has stood at the ends of the earth held her roots while the world crumbled around her and willingly walked into apocalyptic meltdowns. It's because there is no one so graceful, so seasoned, so beautifully mad as a mother. And with that, my love, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for walking through this dark night with me I'll be back next week thank you so much for listening to this week's episode if you enjoy the show make sure you listen rate review and follow all episodes of from the heart with Rachel Brayton this was a presentation of Cadence 13 studio and I'll see you next week